Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Rishi Desai, and today on Raise the Line, I'm happy to be joined by Derek Apinovich, CEO of Global Safety Management, a cloud-based provider of software solutions for the environment, health and safety, government, risk, and compliance sectors. He was also the president of the Ultimate Medical Academy, where they trained allied health professionals. Derek is an investor in early stage technology companies and has been a valuable advisor to Osmosis. Thanks so much for being with us today, Derek. Good afternoon, Rishi. Great to be here. I appreciate it. So maybe you can start out by telling us a little bit about yourself and provide us with some career highlights that we went through and maybe some that I didn't. Sure. I'm Tampa-based. This is where Ultimate Medical Academy is headquartered. I've been in Tampa since 2008, originally from the Philadelphia area. I've got three lovely daughters, including identical twin girls, wife named Rebecca, who is a neonatal nurse practitioner, but who is also now a homeschool e-learning teaching rock star during uh, the pandemic. I started my professional life as a lawyer. I first worked for a federal judge in Miami and then spent three years working in New York as a healthcare transactional lawyer. And during that time, I really worked with a great bunch of clients, uh, colleagues, and, and learned a lot about the law and transactions. But I increasingly found myself more excited by the entrepreneurs, business leaders, making new markets, launching new products, building cultures. And at that time, I felt like I wanted to take a different career direction. I actually went back to school to get an MBA at the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern University, where I concentrated in healthcare management. And then after that, I was fortunate enough to get a job with Kaplan in South Florida as they were building up their online education business in 2004. So you, you've had a lot of experience, obviously, in law and then in entrepreneurship and in business. What excited you specifically about education? Was it sort of fortuitous that Kaplan came along or, or what got that started? Yeah, in terms of Kaplan, it was definitely a, a line of work that I could really wrap my arms around. Yeah. Having been to law school, having taken a liberal arts degree in college, having gone back to school to get an MBA, I love education. I believe it has the power to transform lives create an educated, aware citizenry, keep us all focused on, on what is true, science, math, technology, which is so important these days. So I've always had a, a laser-like focus on education. And, and for me, this opportunity with Kaplan really combined that passion for education, but it was also an up-and-coming online learning technology business, really at the forefront of online learning in that time period in the early 2000s. Online learning has become much more commonplace today, even accelerated more during COVID. But at the time, uh, we were blazing new ground at Kaplan. So I felt like it was something I could understand, wrap my arms around in terms of subject matter, but also learn a lot. And the role there also allowed me to get exposure to finance, strategy, marketing, technology. So it was really a, a crash course in online learning as it existed at the time. And then tell me a little bit about the transition then from Kaplan to Ultimate Medical Academy. What, what prompted that and what, what was the need that you saw at the time? Sure. So Kaplan really had a broad-based approach to education. It had, I think, over 50 degree programs, all different degree levels. And, and so it served a very broad market. 
that has its purpose in education. There are a lot of schools like that that focus on many different disciplines. What Ultimate Medical Academy presented me with an opportunity was to focus on healthcare. And Kaplan had some healthcare programs. So I had exposure to those programs while at Kaplan. But what I really liked about what UMA, as, as we called it, was doing was its focus on healthcare. In healthcare, as we know, there is a lot of job creation. The population is getting older. We as a society are spending more on healthcare every year. We often debate how to spend the money, but the fact remains that we keep spending more money on healthcare. So I knew that focus on healthcare would be great for job outcomes. If a student went to school, took the school and the training seriously, worked with us on career services and getting a job, there'd be jobs available for the students more often than not. And that was very important to me. A lot of learners in online education, particularly at schools like Kaplan or or UMA, are often first-generation college students where they haven't had a long history of post-secondary schooling in their family. So for them, getting a good outcome, having there be a job after graduation was critically important to me. And I really wanted to be in an environment where that was the focus. So that really drove the decision to go to Ultimate Medical Academy to start their online education platform in healthcare. Uh, At the time, there were two small brick and mortar campuses, and my job was to set up the online platform and build that out. I think it's fair to say that you were incredibly successful at building that out. I mean, the online presence that UMA has now is is many multiples of what it was when you started. Is that fair? Yeah. So we started in uh, 2009. We had our first class. Uh, So our first online student came in in 2009 for medical billing and coding. And then over the next decade or so, we added more programs and a lot more students. You know, the school today has about 15,000 students. We have over 60,000 graduates there. You know, we've really taken advantage of the growth and the focus in healthcare in the country. There's often been tough job market. You know, we started off in 2009 at UMA with a job market that was reeling from the Great Recession. Today with COVID, the job market has its challenges as well. So there's just a lot of interest in healthcare jobs from folks who've been displaced uh, in the economy. And there's a general awareness, I think, at this point that for most people interested in a career, that healthcare is a good place to go because of those factors I mentioned earlier with demographics and the amount of money the country's spending on healthcare. So you transitioned then from UMA to global safety management. What was it like stepping in? I think it was roughly February, and that was right before we became very, very aware of coronavirus here in the U.S. What was that like kind of stepping in as CEO at that time? It was a very interesting time. In February, of course, I was personally aware of the coronavirus. It was in the news. I I may have even seen you for the first time, Rishi, uh, (laughs) on TV before I knew a lot about osmosis. And it was in the back of my mind that this could be an issue. But we knew very little at the time in terms of how pervasive the virus was going to be in the United States, how disruptive it was going to be. We didn't know as much about how it was going to be transmitted. And of course, as we learned uh, this kind of respiratory virus can really spread through a country very quickly, spread around the world very quickly. So I, I took the job and within three weeks, at least in Florida, everything was shut down on March 9th. I still remember the day. So I had those three weeks to meet with the team. I made it a point to meet with everybody in person to get to know everybody as, as best I could. 
And then we went, went into a remote environment and really have been at remote work ever since. So we've tried to do a lot of things to keep the team motivated, informed, uh, excited about the work that we're doing. So you, you've been at GSM, you spoke about Ultimate Medical Academy. I guess my, my question here is, there are some obvious reasons why we should be shining a spotlight on the healthcare system. What are some lesser known kind of challenges about our healthcare system, especially in terms of training up a workforce that you've come to know quite well, given your role? Yeah, so at Ultimate Medical Academy, we focused, and, and, and the organization still does today, on allied health training, predominantly in an online environment. So the institution focuses on programs that you can teach effectively online, mostly administrative programs, because there's uh, not in-person instruction. A few of the programs have externships that are in-person. So that's really a, a lot of my experiences in those programs. And, and what we found in terms of healthcare training is that the healthcare ecosystem for somebody new coming into it as an employee, as a first job or a first healthcare job, it's very complicated. The number of roles that are in the system, you have providers, you have payers, you have health information technology, you have all sorts of support companies that support healthcare systems. You have medical device companies, you have pharmaceutical companies. The list really is endless. And so if you're new coming into that setting, you're not necessarily dealing with each and every one of those sectors, but they all impact you in some way. So what we really encourage and what I encourage uh, folks today who talk to me about healthcare training is to make sure uh, you're curious, that you want to learn more about that entire ecosystem. Know the ins and outs of your job extremely well, because that is the most important thing coming out of school. But at the same time, to be effective, learn as much as you can about the rest of the system. Ask questions, be curious, learn as much as possible. And, and if you do so, you'll be more effective in your role. And perhaps as importantly for somebody starting out, It'll open the door to different opportunities where you can ask questions, you can observe your colleagues in a healthcare setting and, and set goals for yourself. You know, as you learn your, your first job, you can move on to something else. The classic example of that is starting out as a certified nursing assistant and moving up the nursing ladder, maybe to a, an LPN, eventually an RN. And we saw that happen over and over again in the UMA setting. And there's analogies you can draw with medical billers and coders becoming administrators, nurses becoming healthcare system operators, doctors going, God forbid, to an insurance company to help them out. That is very possible. And, and we try to stress that with students. You're joining a profession that's a noble calling with lots of opportunities. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point. One thing I've always thought about the healthcare system in general, and through Raise the Line, I've gotten an opportunity to meet different players in the space, but it's a bit like a jungle, different like characters in the jungle that you meet on any given day, but somehow the jungle continues to kind of roll on, like it, it continues to work somehow, yeah. you know, amongst the chaos. And it can be scary, but I think you're right, for the curious person, there's a lot to learn and a lot of opportunity to grow. I'm curious, you're also an investor, right? So in early stage tech companies in particular, what are, what are you seeing right now that gets you most excited? Yeah, there's a handful of areas. And, you know, I do this a little bit on, on the side, you know, just based on the experience that I've accumulated and what I've seen work and, and not work in, in my own professional life. I think companies that have the potential to be very large, even global, 
it's always good to give consideration to those companies. It's not just so they can scale and and become very big and, and famous. It's I think that ability to scale, though, gives companies resources to create more and better content if it's a content-driven company. In education, and I think Osmosis is, is very well situated for this, along with companies like Coursera, Udemy, Udacity, and others, is that the bigger you get, the more relevant you are, the more resources you have, um, the more valuable you can be to your customers. So I think it's always good to see that because once you achieve a certain scale, things get a little easier in some respects uh, when it comes to certain kinds of companies like Osmosis and, and others. I think companies that provide a form for people to raise their hands and say, I'm interested in providing a service or I'm interested in using a service. So the classic examples there in recent years are Uber and, and Lyft and companies like that. But there's all sorts of variations on that now in healthcare or education, just to use those two examples for this conversation, where you could have a tutoring platform you know, for faculty members. They may teach at a school, but they may also want to tutor. And uh, there's platforms that allow matching you know, for students who need the tutoring and faculty members who, who want to tutor. There's a, a good local business called RX Live in Tampa that's doing this in, in the pharmacy setting with pharmacists who have spare time and want to provide additional consultation. So a play on telehealth a bit and, and lots of others like that. I think we're providing real value, but a lot of the value is actually being created by your users as opposed to the, the company itself having to, to pay for all that and provide it. It provides the systems, the rules and the engine, but, but not all the, not all the content. I think that's, a very good area to focus on as well. So those are just a couple things that I I'd like to to think about a lot. You know, when I'm thinking of an investment at a small scale, that makes sense. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the way you're framing it, I'm thinking of kind of two sided marketplaces where you have pools of value on both sides, and the and the company really is kind of bridging the gap. Is that is that fair? Yeah, that that's exactly right. So the companies can be a little smaller in that situation where they don't need to have a lot of employees. And some of the operational challenges that come with that, but they get really good at creating value for both sides of that equation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. One of our values, kind of a pun on the term value, but one of our values is making sure that we're offering reliable, you know, advice and and information to our, our learners. I'm curious, given your experience, is there any sort of common knowledge gap you've seen that people have that you would be willing to kind of help us get educated on anything that you often find yourself answering that, that our audience might enjoy learning about? I think one today, it's a little, little topical right now, given COVID, is, is just relationship building in a remote work environment. It may not be specifically related to healthcare, but I, I think it's something that really anybody who, who works in business, any, any teacher right now who's doing e-learning has to give a lot of thought to where we can't have face-to-face interactions in many cases in a distributed work environment mandated by pandemic restrictions, we really all have to work harder at developing relationships. So I think, you know, as a manager, a supervisor, a colleague, really getting to know your colleagues beyond a Zoom screen is important. You know, getting to know their kids, their names and aspirations, ages, an employee's career aspirations. You know, what does an employee want to get out of the job right now? What challenges may he or she be having in a remote working environment? 
particularly challenging, I think, as you onboard new employees uh, in this environment where you don't have those face-to-face interactions and that cultural onboarding experience, how do you replicate that right now? How do you make a new employee feel part of the community? And I think you have to just be very thoughtful about this approach. There's a way to do it and to try to have it be potentially an asset, because in some respects, it's even easier to meet with people. But making those meetings meaningful, I, I think, is harder in an online environment where, where often it's just very business-like. <laughs> you know, we have this schedule, we're going to get through these issues, and you don't really get to know people in terms of their hobbies, what they like to do in the community. Do they have strong feelings about a subject outside of business? And we all do, and that's what makes us interesting people and, and unique. And how do you get to, how do you get at all that? And, and I think just being very thoughtful about trying to do it in a, in a tactful way showing real interest and empathy is important for all of us right now. I think you do that incredibly well, Derek. You, you did mention on this conversation that you try to meet people in person. You, t- you took the time to do that when you joined in February. You said you met with everyone in person. And I also noticed that you are willing to share a bit about yourself. So you share that your partner is a stellar home educator, right? Like that you have twins. I find that that's also really helpful, right? Because when you open up a little bit about yourself, it kind of invites the other person to open yeah. up. And, and now I'll share with you that, you know, I have a four-year-old son and he's dancing today in, in school and he's really excited about this dance he's been preparing for. And I think sometimes that back and forth helps build that relationship that otherwise in person comes more naturally. But, but like you said, you have to work on when you do it remotely. Yeah, no, d- definitely. And, and again, it's just something you have to be thoughtful about. And, you know, I found that when you do take the initiative, most people, maybe not in every case, but most people appreciate it and, and reciprocate. So. So we have a lot of students and early career health professionals, both in allied health professions, but also other ones as well in our audience. Do you have any advice to them about kind of meeting the challenges of the moment and approaching their career in healthcare as they, as they start? Yeah, we, you know, we talked about the, the curiosity uh, a while back. I, I think, uh, you know, in healthcare, you know, what I've seen be, because of the complexity of the ecosystem, you know, we, we've covered that, that sometimes healthcare, and again, I'm, I'm not a medical doctor, I'm not a a nurse practitioner like my wife reminds me uh, <laughs> on a regular basis when I opine on on uh, the field of medicine. But realizing that the patient is the center of the universe, the, the top of the pyramid, I, I think is important. And that's something that at UMA, we always try to remind our students that it is a noble calling that you joined, you know, whether you're, you're doing direct patient care, you're taking care of healthcare systems, you're working in the business office. And just remembering that everything you're doing relates back to making people heal, feel better, you know, get better, rejoin the community, easing pain, you know, all those themes I think is, is very important to remind folks going into healthcare. Because I, I think some of the more frustrating parts of the healthcare system, the red tape, the bureaucracy, all the regulations sometimes can obscure why people went into the profession in the first place. So, Reminding yourself of why you went in, you know, trying to re-engage with patients uh, and getting to know them maybe on a more personal level is important. One thing my wife always told me, and she worked in an intensive care neonatal unit where unfortunately not all the premature babies, you know, would survive. So it was an extremely stressful setting, but she always stressed interacting with the family you know, whether you had good news or, or bad news and really trying to connect with them. Because for those who work in healthcare, 
and this is a little bit indirect for me, just based on my experience, but for those who work in healthcare, you're working with folks, people coming into the system for whom this is not ordinary. There's very few things that are ordinary about healthcare, being in an intensive care unit, if that's a setting, a cancer ward, whatever it might be, a COVID ward today. So many families and patients are, are scared and they don't know what's going on around them. So trying to engage on a personal level, taking that time to explain what's happening, answering questions, I have found to be extremely important in terms of making everything work better in a healthcare setting and also leading to a more fulfilling professional life as a healthcare provider. It may take more time. It may take a toll on you a little bit emotionally, but at the end of the day, I think you feel like you provided really 360 degree care, you know, not just the patient, but the family as well, if appropriate. And and I think that's a lesson that really has stuck with me for a lot of reasons. Yeah, no, that's a really good lesson. I mean, this, this notion of I'm imagining a pyramid with a patient at the very top of it with this enormous stone foundation, solid foundation of, of healthcare providers and family and everyone supporting that patient. I think that's easy to forget. And the days that I felt most exhausted are the days that I didn't take the time, the minute to kind of get to know people and understand them as human beings and instead just try to kind of chug through my work. That's the day that I go home most fatigued, most kind of feeling stressed and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's really, really good advice and maybe maybe a good point to end on. I want to thank you, Derek, so much for being with us today. Thank you, Rishi. Uh, this was fantastic. I appreciate everything that you're doing during this COVID pandemic to get the word out on, on the facts of, of what's happening and the work Osmosis is doing. I think you've really struck a chord with a lot of your customers and more casual users of the product. You're just doing fantastic things. Appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. I'm Rishi Desai. Thanks for checking out today's show. Remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. <laughs>